today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Uh, let's head down to the United States. Usually about this time of the show, we head to the States or we go up into space. <laughs> Whatever's closer. Uh, and and we all know where the United States is when it comes to vaccination and such. Uh, President Joe Biden has said by the 4th of July, uh, Americans will be, joy- uh, will be enjoying a family barbecue and not have to worry about any of this stuff as they uh, continue to vaccinate down there. Hesitancy, their biggest problem now, they've got, as they are awash in vaccine. Also, uh, interesting, uh, I believe it was 60 million doses are going to uh, overseas from the United States as well. Uh, to help with what uh, is going on in India and such. So uh, good news there. Uh, other stuff in the United States, Donald Trump, remember him? Whatever happened to him? And has Donald Trump uh, ceased to exist because he's been kicked off social media? Is it that easy? Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. He is with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Oh, thank you, Scott. I'm fine, and same to you and everybody listening. Uh, stay <laughs> Stay safe, stay engaged in our wonderful spring, and uh, keep listening. That's the best advice right there. Uh, how uh, how uh, influential is Donald Trump still in U.S. politics? I think there's a lot of um, misreading of the current situation going on. The notion that if he's not on Facebook and Twitter, he's irrelevant, uh, as usual, truly underestimates Donald Trump as a master salesperson, and as a, a, a brander, when everyone was saying, look, he's not on Facebook and Twitter, he's not on our face every single day, and Joe Biden, oh, wow, look, he's calm, he's reassuring, and he's not in our face every single day, he's just governing, um, whereas Donald Trump, he must be uh, now irrelevant. It underestimates uh, him in a variety of ways. He is really a first-rate politician in, in that he really has the capacity to connect with his supporters, his base, with yeah. or without Facebook. So what has he been doing when everybody's saying, oh, we haven't heard from him, therefore he's not relevant? What he's been doing is consolidating his support over the mechanics of the Republican Party and therefore controlling the, the um, process of where the party's going to go. What he did was immediately went down to Mar-a-Lago, got hold of all those district-level, local-level supporters who control the machinery of the party, consolidated his support there when everyone was at that point, right after, you know, (laughs) January 6th and after Biden became the elected uh, president who took office, (laughs) uh, despite all the claims to the contrary. Everybody thought, well, now he's gone quiet. But what he did was, in that fluid moment, would he have a future or not, he guaranteed, yes, he does have a future, and you see that right now today in all the, uh, in all the news about how Liz Cheney's likely to get dumped and all the other news about the party. Is this fight between Republicans and Donald Trump or between Republic, or sorry, uh, Donald Trump and Americans? In other words, uh, you know, he can continue to have this uh, control and and debate and 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 fight, I guess, with members of his Republican Party. He may even be uh, selected to run as their leader and in the next presidential election. Does that mean Americans are ready for Donald Trump Part Two? Oh, there's a lot of interesting things going on. One is the party is shrinking as his influence is expanding. 
That's what I mean. The Republican Party has lost a lot of people right after January 6th. Uh, It's not unusual for the winning party to gain people and the losing party to lose people, but it's very notable that a lot of people have just left the party at the same time that he has consolidated his support over that party. Uh, the party itself is, is its really an interesting thing. They, they risk being irrelevant. That is, right now, that party is saying the only thing that matters is if you believe Donald Trump, and he's officially come out in the last week saying, this is the party of the big lie. That is, uh, you, I'm rebranding the party. You have to agree with me that the election was stolen and that Joe Biden's election was a big lie, and that's the uh, loyalty test, the, the litmus test. Right. And it's winning. I mean, the, this, is, this is being effective, and we're seeing that in, in what's happening between the you know, traditional Republicans who are dwindling in support, and we'll see this very soon with the ousting of Liz Cheney, apparently. Uh, so he is, he is very much in control of the party, but that party is insisting on something in terms of, you know, I'm going to primary you, I'm going to put my people in. The only thing that matters, the one and only thing that matters is you agree that this, that I won the last election. That does not make them relevant to the broader electorate, does it? So that, so, you know, maybe the question it should not be, is Donald Trump still irrelevant? Uh, obviously Donald Trump is still relevant within the Republican Party, but as his relevancy grows, the party's diminishes. Is the Republican Party still relevant? Yes, and I think that's a, a fair question, Scott. And that's why they, they risk being irrelevant uh, in that they are talking about that while the Democrats are talking about bringing material benefits to the American public, starting mm-hmm. with the vaccination that you've been talking about, but the, all the plans going forward are showing strong supports. They're irrelevant, but this is also, secondly, dangerous to American democracy to have a major political party whose sole plank apparently is, is uh, you know, the last election was stolen from me yeah. and the current president is illegitimate. And we are now going to get uh, reelected. On, and this is my third point. Uh, yes, they tend toward irrelevance, but it's a threat to democracy to have this as a view. They can still come back. Yeah. The possibility of culture wars trumping, if I could use that term, trumping over material benefit is the, will be, I think, the open question of the now 18 and a half months or less that the Democrats still have control of the House and the Senate. Uh, obviously, we heard uh, today and yesterday in regard to uh, Facebook social media upholds its decision to continue to suspend Donald Trump from that uh, platform. Obviously, Twitter was his his uh, his platform of choice. Does it matter if he's on a social media platform or not? Does that affect anything? And does his success depend on him being uh, as visible on social media? Well, a few things on that. The his success as a rising politician and then an elected politician in 2016 uh, and 2020, yes, uh, Facebook played a major role. Twitter played a major role because uh, he was very effective on it in raising money and in having Mm -hmm. a very direct connection to his support base. At the same time, it's also (laughs) those were the vehicles, certainly Facebook, for Russian influence operations in both elections, as we're discovering. So Facebook was very um, uh, important to the rise of Trump, 
to the election of Trump, but also to his fundraising ability, because he's been relying, despite saying, you know, I'm a multi-billionaire, I don't need anybody's money, I'll fund myself. Uh, all of those were, were all of these tweets, uh, and, and certainly on Facebook, they raised a lot of money for him. And as corporate America is moving away from the Republican Party because they are moving closer to the Donald Trump, you know, big lie. Uh, you can use that in two directions. He says it was a big lie, and now uh, corporate America and others are saying, that's a big lie. <laughs> we can't mm. have that. But the ability to raise money and to deprive the Republican apparatus, the formal Republican apparatus, of that money is a very potent weapon for Donald Trump, and Facebook is a key element of it. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, he's uh, talked about his own platform. He's obviously got a blog in from the office of Donald Trump and what have you every so often releases something. D- does that have the same impact at all? Because, again, obviously that's a closed uh, environment. Um, you'd have to sign up for that. You have to specifically go to it. So does this, his own platform, have any more impact on this? No, apparently... I've been following the commentary on it, very dismissive. Oh, it's just a website, and it's a stale website, just recycling his old stuff. It's nothing but a blog. Uh, but uh, J- the people around him, Jason Miller, are saying, look, this new website, uh, stay tuned. We have more information coming. Twitter has said, by the way, that we don't care what Facebook is up to. We're not going to let him back on yeah. uh, because we can't have us being used as a platform for incitement to, to violence and to hatred. So never mind what Facebook is up to. We'll have to see. I, I'm, not, I'm not as concerned as others seem to be that if he doesn't have this platform or that platform, he's not going to be heard. I don't think there's any doubt, and we've seen this over and over again, of his ability to get himself heard when he needs it and wants it uh, through one means or another, and therefore to take the oxygen out of the, out of the room for any other candidate. That was one of his great political skills. It will be diminished if we stay with the current set of uh, media in, uh, I don't know what to call it, the various platforms, the media infrastructure right now, as it was shaped in those days, six, in the last two election cycles, I think Donald Trump will find a way to get heard. He's always got are, Fox, after all. Are Americans, have, have they gone, have they, have they passed this? The train's gone. Have they missed this stop? Uh, are Americans now too concerned with moving on, getting out of COVID, getting back to normal, some, you know, some civilized leadership that they don't want to go backwards? I mean, is there an appetite considering things were bad, uh, whether it's political or with a global pandemic and things are greatly improving for America as they get out of this? Uh, we're certainly watching that, nor- uh, you know, here north of the border. As we get to this stage, do Americans want to go back to that time? That's where we have elections. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> this is, this is the big, the big question going forward. Right now, the House of Representatives, remember the Republicans really had an extraordinarily good year, except for losing the presidency very narrowly, yeah. uh, going out. That is the, the House, uh, remember the Democrats thought they were going to increase their seats in the House where they had a nice majority by 15, 20, 25 seats. They, they lost a lot of seats. 15 of the marginal ridings flipped. And now the Democrats are in a situation where if you look at all the logic of history and the current mechanics of politics, they've already lost the House coming up. 
the, they only have a five-seat majority, uh, redistricting and this voter suppression laws and gerrymandering because the Democrats failed to win state elections that they had targeted specifically to take away from Republicans before the census came out, before the redistricting their maps would be drawn. They didn't win any of them. So Republicans have great control over uh, basically who can get elected and how, enough sufficiently so without the election they've already won it. But the other side of that is the Democrats are now under Joe Biden are doing things for Americans that really are meaningful to Americans. Mm -hmm. So are, are, are the masters of culture wars and the mechanics of manipulating elections on the one side, the Republicans, and with Donald Trump possibly leading that charge, are they going to overcome, uh, and, and also, by the way, the, hist the weight of history, the party in power always loses seats, always loses seats yeah. in the next midterm. They have that on their side on the Republicans. Can the Democrats be politically smart enough and agile enough to take advantage of the fact that they're actually doing something for Americans and talking about issues that matter to Americans instead of culture wars? It's an open question. What about your thoughts on Biden's performance uh, so far? Uh, many at the beginning of this said Biden was a centrist. Some are saying now not so much so. What is your thoughts on his performance uh, so far? Well, he's, he's done extremely well. Uh, it, we, it helps if you have low expectations. He's far exceeded the low expectations. You know, mm -hmm. Sleepy Joe, the Republicans, yeah. tried to brand him. He's clearly a, a politician in a hurry. Uh, and he's he's making um, not small plans but big plans. He's we've talked about it this a bit in the past. He's his packaging of the transformation of America has been very clever. When you do, if you look at it one by one, I have a rescue plan. It passed, and that rescue plan is you know the vaccination plan and getting the economy started, and it's it's working remarkably well when now their biggest concern is there's not enough people wanting the shots that are available. Yeah. And we could talk about that. And then, they, you know, the infrastructure plan has two components. It's the physical infrastructure and the human infra infrastructure America. He is going to modernize America uh, through that, and, and he's calling it a jobs bill. The families plan, which is coming up, is a jobs uh, creator. So he's packaging it well, but uh, during the you know his address to Congress, when you put it all together, you could see that he really is—he really is trying to modernize America in order to face the future, and and he's helping people very immediately and directly in doing so. Uh, so I think that uh, if he can sustain this, that if he can get the next part of his package through, then he's going to go down in history, uh, perhaps too quickly if he loses the House and the Senate in a month and a half. But he's—he's he's really. Um, much more ambitious and so far more successful than anybody anticipated. Uh, are the Republicans going to have to offer more than the last election was stolen? I mean, again, have people not moved on from that? As you're saying, they're starting to see the productivity of this administration uh, where things are actually happening that affect them uh, as opposed to just more, you know, jaw moving. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I think the they will be using more than that because the the fealty of the party to Trump is there. We start with that, but really they're also masters of saying, "Don't look over, the, don't look where the money is going, don't look the fact you're being helped." It's easier to 
you know, your mortgages are going to be, you know, we're doing more on health care. All these things that are kitchen table things that Democrats are offering, the Republicans are going to offer a swath of culture wars. It's not going to simply be the last election was stolen, which everybody knows, according to the Republicans, and that's understood. But look what they're doing, and then you can just take your pick, race, um, uh, abortion, uh, right. misogyny, uh, the country doesn't belong to you anymore, immigration is a problem. Uh, just stoke the fears, stoke the, the same things that worked for them so brilliantly in the past, culture wars in a whole range of areas, You've been overlooked. Uh, white America, you're being bypassed. We'll, we'll, we'll preserve white America's privilege. We're going to keep you safe from foreigners at the border. Uh, yes, we'll bring jobs back, by the way, et cetera, et cetera. They're very, Let me very ask stable. you this, Elliot. Obviously, I know what you're talking about, and this worked the first time, and we don't have much time left here. But yeah. in a post-COVID-19 world, attitudes have changed. Does this message still sell? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, the the Republicans can take the House quite easily, uh, perhaps the Senate. Can the Democrats counter electoral history and the Republican strengths uh, in reaching their people on, at, a, at a visceral level, at a way that matters? We'll have to see, as I keep saying, that's why we have elections. Hmm. I think it's an open question whether the Democrats can capitalize what, on the things they're actually doing for America compared to what the, America, the Republicans are going to say is, Look what the Republicans are doing, the Democrats are doing to America. We'll have to see. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor, Political Science, Carleton University. Elliot, as always, fascinating discussion. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. <laughs> and to you. Take care. 228 News is on the way. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.